Hello and welcome. Today's video is about Britain. Actually, five challenges facing Britain. And I admit it maybe is a bit of a bad taste to be raising the five challenges at a time when all of us and Britain is celebrating the Platinum Jubilee of Queen Elizabeth, which indeed rightfully is uh, a moment worthy of celebration. However, I also think it's worthy of reflection, hence the five challenges, which I think somehow impose on Britain a moment unprecedented in its history. And the first challenge relates to the institution at the heart of these celebrations, the monarchy. And the point very simply is that Queen Elizabeth has been incredibly successful in retaining for the monarchy respect, love to a very large extent, over the past 70 years, which was a time Britain underwent major challenges. But a very important ingredient of the power, of the positioning of the monarchy in Britain and anywhere else, is the idea of the magic, the idea of the mystery, the mystique surrounding that institution. The problem is that that mystique has been gradually diluted over this very long period. And the reason is very simple. It has nothing to do with, with the scandals and nothing to do with... Uh, changes within generations and it's fundamentally that media especially the explosion in social media has meant that the institution and the royal family and its members have been under glaring lights and scrutiny continuously which meant that all of the issues all of the problems that were there many decades and, of course, centuries ago, and traditionally were not revealed, traditionally were hidden, now you cannot hide them. Because of modern communications, simply everything is under the limelight. And herein we have the challenge facing the next monarch in Britain, and that is it's not about retaining respect and building love. And it's fundamentally about this magic, this secret sauce that is crucial for any monarchy in the world to retain. How will the next monarch in Britain retain that mystique while there is incredible light and scrutiny on the institution as a whole? The point is that Queen Elizabeth has managed to navigate this very difficult time and arrived at a very successful point, which is now. But the next monarch will have the challenge of sustaining that mystique and that raises the question about the likely change in the meaning of the monarchy, in the role of the monarchy, in the British society. Now, why is this important? Because the monarchy was, has been, 
a main pillar of Britishness in the past centuries and decades. And this leads us to the second challenge, which concerns another pillar of Britishness, which is the Anglican Church. The Anglican Church, I think, has been by far the most progressive religious institution in the world in the last 30 or 40 years. Not only it has evolved its rhetoric, it has evolved its theology, more or less, in that period to become commensurate of modern Britain's ultra-liberal values. Of course, that there was a cost yani, associated with that. That, that had, uh, had its downside. You had constituents in, in England and in Britain that were very unhappy with that. You had churches, Anglican churches, in the world that were not happy with that. But the point is the Anglican church managed to evolve itself to remain relevant in modern Britain, to have its voice in many issues. But it's one thing to be relevant, it's another to be influential. And the Anglican church was very influential for many centuries and decades. Now it is relevant, but not necessarily influential, which means that the role of the Anglican Church in the British society in the near future will also change. And that is the other issue I'm referring to, that another key pillar of Britishness, its role in the British society is changing in the near future. Third challenge is perhaps different, though I think it is related, and that is the role of Britain in the world, particularly at a moment in time, today, in which the most important issue in the world, the nascent unfolding confrontation between the US and China, is entering a new phase. Britain's place in that confrontation is known, of course, very well known. Because of the special relationship between Britain and the US, Britain stands the closest ally to the US in this confrontation. In the past 10 years, there was no cost for Britain to stand super close to the US in that global confrontation. But in the coming period, there will be a cost. Why? Because both the US and China are increasingly assertive vis-a-vis the other, which means that each of them will become interested, want to impose costs on the allies of the other. Britain is going to be the closest ally to the US in that confrontation, so naturally China will impose political and economic costs on Britain. So basically the dragon China, this rising dragon, will impose costs on Britain. The problem here is that in the memory of the dragon of China, Britain has a special place. Britain was the country, the empire, that forced on China the trade capitulations in the early mid-19th century, which were followed by the Opium War, which in the Chinese memory 
were the beginning really of its 150 or 200 years of humiliations, as many Chinese put it. So Britain will be under the gaze of the dragon and in the memory of the dragon, it was that country that begun the age of humiliation. That's not a very easy position to be in at the world or in the world in that moment in time. It does not mean that it, it will inevitably cause problems to Britain, not necessarily, but it means that there will be a cost on Britain in that unfolding global confrontation between the US and China. The fourth challenge is perhaps different, but I think crucially important. And that relates actually to the success of Britain, of Britain's economy in the last 40 years. Now, many people will have an issue with Margaret Thatcher's policies. Many people will have an issue with the policies of New Labour under Tony Blair or Gordon Brown, irrespective. The fact of the matter is Britain was very successful economically in the last 40 years in terms of uh, wealth, in terms of standards of living, in terms of the general trajectory of the British economy, Britain was economically very successful. Add to that, Britain is actually very competitive globally, and not just competitive in old heavy manufacturing industries. In some of that, yes, but importantly, probably more importantly, Britain is competitive in industries that are shaping the future artificial intelligence, uh, advanced stuff in physics, bioengineering, you name it. Even add to that that Britain has been very successful in leveraging on the preeminence of the English language globally to build for itself very prominent positions and large market shares in the entertainment industry, in the information industry, which are very important because they affect also the the global consciousness they affect they set the agenda globally so that is another form of success economically and arguably politically in the world in the last 40 years but there is a corresponding set of problems we are seeing in parts of britain particularly parts of england in the southeast for example almost forms of decadence and yet at the same time in also parts of britain and parts of england we are seeing increasing dependency on the state that we've never seen before in britain we're seeing rising inequality shocking levels of underdevelopment actually which means very notable levels of inequality and perhaps because of that there is a notable level of distrust, not just against a set number of politicians, but it goes much wider. It goes beyond that, this distrust. I think this leads us to a very important challenge, the fifth 
challenge, and that is the feelings within Britain. I think anybody who understands Britain, and particularly England, would say that in the last 400 years, since the age maybe of Elizabeth I in the 16th century, Britain had a sense of extreme confidence, almost a conviction, deep-seated conviction, that it will prevail. And that's why it was able to undertake major challenges, major odds. It went after grand opportunities because deep down Britain, particularly England, had a feeling that it will prevail. And it was not just a, an intangible feeling. It had, it had pillars. It had elements that, upon which it is built, that conviction. There was a belief in the, in the institutions of Britain, in the system of governing, in the quality of governance, in even the, the lifestyle. All of that built that extreme self-confidence. However, in the last 15, 20 years, maybe a bit more, all of these factors have been dealt serious and repeated blows. And that's why we are seeing some sort of a self-doubt, some sort of skepticism entering slowly, not just the society, but also some of the institutions upon which this grandeur, the empire, the successes were built. And I think this self-doubt in general is potentially very problematic, but particularly after Brexit, particularly as Britain sails into the world in a new phase. Look, anybody who, who bets against Britain probably did not read history well. History tells us, teaches us actually, never to underestimate Britain. After all, Britain was never defeated in the past thousand years. Britain is also the inheritor, very recent inheritor, of arguably the most notable empire humanity has ever known. And anybody who knows Britain, especially England, knows that there, is, there are almost wells of creativity that allows Britain to come up with solutions to problems. So we are not saying, I'm not saying here that this is a moment of, of doom and gloom, not any of that. However, anybody who loves Britain, anybody who got to know Britain and England quite well over the last 15-20 years, I think sees these challenges and realizes that together they make this phase an unprecedented moment in the history of Britain. And it is important to highlight these challenges so that the future becomes worthy of celebration as the past was.